Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock, and I am joined by Colin Drew to talk about what I think is, I mean, it's the best golf tournament of the year, the the Open Championship, the British Open Championship, if you are American, taking place at Royal Portrush Golf Course in Northern Ireland. Do you agree with my take that the Open is the best tournament of the year, Drewby? It's up there. I, I love the Masters. I like the coverage um, for that as well. But the Open Championship is definitely unique and uh, very entertaining. Always a, a mix of players in there. And I think that they generally do a really good job with coverage. So yeah, those, those are the two for me, the Open Championship, the British Open, and then the Masters are yeah, my two favorite to watch and should be really fun from a DFS perspective. Probably one of the reasons why I like the tournament so much is that the coverage is so good and it is like, it's like almost nonstop. Like you're like, you're just in there, you, you wake up, there's golf I mean, and then there's golf until like four o'clock in the afternoon and you just yeah. never stop watching. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. I mean, you're just like waking, waking up immediately into the sweats. So that's always good. And um, there's always interesting things. The elements are always uh, at play, you know, in, in the events over there and, the courses are also so unique. And so like the masters I think is my favorite event, but uh, the open championship is definitely the the most unique event on tour. Yeah, there we go. So let's talk uh, well, do you want to talk about anyone who's playing at the John Deere classic right now? I, I don't think any of these guys are really going to be core parts of my player pool, but maybe there is something that I'm missing. No, I, well, I guess um, we don't, I don't think I'm going to lean too much on the results this week. I don't think that's going to swing things. There are some guys in the field. Um, like Lucas Glover is one guy that we'll talk about as a punt. He's only 6.5 K in the open championship uh, next week. And I know he's going to be popping as a pretty good value. So that'll be a, a dilemma to try to figure out. I guess the other thing that's happening this week is the Scottish open. And so there are some Americans who are expected to be contenders next week. that are playing in the Scottish open. Ricky Fowler, Matt Kuchar, Justin Thomas, and then a couple of guys that are a little bit deeper down the board, like Surrey Kisner, Putnam, Jimmy Walker. But some guys have went over to try to prep with the Irish Open or Scottish Open and, and get some Lynx golf under their belts. And other guys have, uh, have rested up. Um, maybe a slight, uh, you know, a slight boost to guys not having to travel this week. But I feel like with the, the luxurious travel accommodations for a lot of these guys anyways, it's not a big deal to get over there. I probably give I probably give a little bit of boost to guys who are already there just because their bodies are already on the right time rhythm. Not that not that it would disqualify you from winning if you were playing at the John Deere or whatever. It's just there's like, there's like so much science that like being on the right sleep rhythm is so good for athletic performance that I like I would actually weigh that a little bit, I think. And at the end of the day, this year the John Deere field is so weak that it's not like you're you're rushing out mm-hmm. to roster these guys anyways. Yeah. Um, so pretty interesting. I guess, I guess one thing we should note if for people who are not following uh, the Scottish or the Irish open particularly closely, there are going to be some big name Americans. I'm pretty sure who are missing the cut at the Scottish. Like I think Ricky bogeyed 18 to miss the cut. Basically links golf. If there's no wind, it, it's Trinity forest, right? So it, there's just, there's no, these courses have no defense to how good these guys are. If it's not windy, not windy at all at the Scottish. So I think that that just makes the results sort of weird overall. So, so if someone you are considering for the British open miss the cuts at the Scottish open, I I'm not taking a ton away from that. That would be one point I would make. Yeah. I think the other kind of natural point to piggyback on that is the, the weather matters a lot. Um, it can 
bring wave stacking into play. Some of the biggest wave splits we've seen in history have been at Open Championships or British Opens. And so that will um, cause, you know, you to want to wait until late on Wednesday evening to finalize your lineups to get the best weather forecast. We're obviously recording this early on Friday, so we're not going to have a good look at the weather. It did look like there was going to be some wind in the forecast on kind of late Wednesday, and we'll see if that carries forward. The other thing the wind impacts is also the scoring conditions. That's one of the things you can tinker as a custom feature in the Daily Roto Optimizer. Uh, but scoring conditions are harder when the wind blows more, and therefore that's going to put more of an emphasis on the placement points, especially in smaller fields and cash games. Whereas if there's no wind, the scoring is going to be easier, a lot more birdies, and therefore the, the fantasy scoring elements um, like birdie or better and things like that come into more into play in that type of format. So the wind is definitely going to be something that is critical this week. It's something that's going to be talked a lot about. Uh, we'll definitely link to some forecasts in the pro tip, but you're going to want to, to wait to build your lineups you know, as late as you can this week to get all the information in there. Yeah. So the course that they are playing at this year, it is in Northern Ireland. Uh, it's a par 71, just over 7,300 yards. Uh, a lot unknown with this golf course. The only event that's been held here on like a professional tour is the 2012 Irish Open, and the course has actually been redesigned and changed. Uh, the one thing you'll hear a ton is that Grand McDowell, uh, this is like the course he grew up playing because he is Northern Irish, and actually Rory McIlroy is Northern Irish as well. Uh, but I, I guess I don't have a ton of significant input on uh, Royal Portrush, my guess is that it probably plays like a lot of other uh, Lynx-style golf courses in the United Kingdom where it's pretty wide open, not a ton of trees, bunch of pop bunkers, and uh, there's no wind. Dudes are going to be able to score a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's always hard. You're not going to want to lean too much. It'll be interesting to see if the kind of performance of guys that year bakes at all into the – to the odds, but you're not going to want to lean too much in that event because so many guys were missing from the field. Um, and it was obviously a much weaker field and, and they've redesigned a bunch of the holes on the course this week. If you want to kind of hear some more stuff about that, definitely check out Pat Mayo's show. I'm sure you're planning to already if you listen to this, but he had Justin Ray on and they kind of go into some of the course redesign stuff at a deeper level. Um, but in that, that 2012 Irish open Rory did finish inside the top 10 along with Francesco Molinari, Rafa Cabrera Bello actually finished second that year. Um, a guy that will probably get talked up a good bit because he is a really good value relative to the betting odds on his price. And then you had Graham McDowell finishing just a stroke outside of the top 10. So those were a few of the notable performances. Feel like got to cover the bases and kind of check that one off. But I wouldn't place too much emphasis into, you know, one event that happened seven years ago with a completely different field and completely, and then at least some redesigned elements and different conditions and all that. But winning score that year was minus 18. One of the one of the things I have kind of always done with the European events, like when when DraftKings has big prize pools for them, normally just the British Open is like I I do kind of give like if I'm deciding between two guys, I'll give the edge to the guy who's played either more links rounds or who's just a European tour player. Like if you're if you're gonna give me uh you know Rafa Cabrera Bale versus I, I don't know random random American dude. I'm probably like, like Rafa Cabrera Vale versus Patrick Reed, uh, like same price. I'm going RCB just because like, I, I do like the guys who played more European and league style golf. Yeah. So uh, Justin Ray, I mentioned that they did a pretty good article over on the European tour talking about some of the, the best links performers in strokes gained. 
Uh, they were kind of looking at guys. There were 170 plus players who made at least 10 starts in Lynx setups. Top performers that they found just in pure strokes gained on those um, Lynx courses were Adam Scott, Hendrick Stenson, and Sergio Garcia were the top three, followed closely by some guys that you're probably not too surprised to hear. Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, Rory McIlroy, Francesco Molinari were also strong performers with 10 starts. And then uh, Jordan Spieth and John Rahm with a little bit fewer starts, but still some pretty good performances there. Uh, a lot of European names on that uh, list of players, some guys who play on both tours, obviously, but in, in those guys are generally top players in the world anyways, but there were obviously some notable missing names as far as top Americans like, uh, like Dustin Johnson wasn't quite up there. And then relative to individual baselines, it has some names that were a little bit deeper. So Ryan Fox, Eddie Pepperell, Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Richie Ramsey improved the most relative to their personal baselines when they were playing on link setups. So uh, maybe something to consider. You can kind of lean with that if you want. You could also look a little bit at Open Championship history. Obviously, it's played on a bunch of different courses in there. But for the most part, you're getting the link setups with various wind conditions in that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess some of the things that contribute to playing well on links courses, like makes sense to me. Cause like, like on links courses, you're not going to be, you're not going to be hitting out of the rough very often. You're not going to be chipping out of the rough very often. So like a lot of these guys, I think of really good, uh, like as really good strokes gained approach players, but not strokes gained around the green type of players. And the, that sort of golf just matters less when there's no rough and like no stuff to hit out of, you know? Yeah, and I think stroke scene approach, definitely a common thread between a bunch of those guys. You know, even the guys who are really good off the tee, for the most part, dialed in with their irons as well. And then, yeah, perhaps experience matters a little bit as well. Like like you said, the um, kind of setups around the greens specifically are, are very unique. And so you get some more opportunities for creativity. You also get some more opportunities to to put it from off the green versus having to worry about uh, some of the, the I, I, do, I do really like Adam Scott putting from off the green that dude, he misses, he misses the short ones, but Adam Scott loves to drain like the 35 footers. That's like, that's like been his bread and butter for the last three months. Yeah. We'll see how many putters he keeps in the bag this week. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we want to talk about open championship history? There is, there's definitely one guy who, uh, you know, he owns the field. I, I, I won't lock him. But my guess is I probably have about 55 to 60% Rory across, you know, 400 teams or whatever this week. Yeah. The, the tough thing is going to be the pricing, I guess, just because uh, he's priced at a premium and uh, depending how the, the conditions shake out, I think will dictate whether or not you're going to need really, really good six to six lineups to contend or if five to six lineups can still cash. So uh, Rory is the highest priced guy in the field, 11.6K. He does have the best open championship course history. He was also one of the guys that was flagged as a good links player. Uh, a lot of overlap between those. I would say the one guy that didn't pop as like a great links player, but has done well at open championships in the past was uh, a couple of the names, Phil Mickelson, Tony Finau, Zach Johnson, and then Dustin Johnson uh, were some of the guys that we didn't talk about already. Also just wanted to cover some of the hottest players in the world, just because it is one of the best events. If you want guys who are coming in with really good form, the top of that list is Patrick Cantlay, with a third place, third place, first, 21st and 15th in his last five starts, Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, Matt Kuchar, Hideki Matsuyama, Shane Lowry, Webb Simpson, Tiger Woods, and John Rahm all coming in. A couple of those names are going to show up on the links um, list as well, notably Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy. I think Shane Lowry gets the, the reputation as a great links player. 
um, an Irish golfer himself. And then you got Rom, who was kind of popping in there, hasn't done well at the Open in the past, but has done well on Lynx courses and uh, coming off with a, a recent win under his belt. Yeah, uh, I can't say that I will be the, the one guy I'll be chasing off of here is Cantley. Obviously, at his price on DraftKings is really good. Like, man, Cantley at 9,000. I mean, he, he could get to like DJ sort of at the RBC levels owned in some of these. Like, he'll, he'll be like 30% probably. He'll probably. He's probably odds on favorite to be most owned in the Millie Maker. Maybe, maybe. I, I think there's a guy at 7.6K that um, was my early peg as one of the highest owned guys, but uh, Cantley's price will get there. I mean, he's sandwiched between some good guys, right? So uh, you got JT above him, you got Spieth below him, Scott below him, Kucher there. Um, I do think he'll be heavily owned. 20% seems like a very safe bet. Uh, 25, maybe where I'd peg it early. But yeah, the, the top of the board, you, you talked about Rory, talked about it being a home event one of the tournaments that he does the best at. Uh, it's a major, though, so Brooks Kepka is right there as well. He's just coming straight over from the ESPYs, celebrating. <laughs> and But it's a major. Kepka's there. His caddy actually grew up at Royal Portrush. His family lives right down the street. So if you want to throw a little bit of narrative at a course that people don't know very much about, it seems like Kepka will have at least some some home course knowledge under his belt. I just don't know how I find rosters with Brooks this week. If I'm going to be if I'm going to be heavy on Rory and Dustin is the third most expensive guy, I, like I don't I just don't even know how many lineups I'll be able to make. Like maybe like nine ten percent of lineups would even be able to find Brooks in them. I, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I think it's going to set up where where this is what just happens again, and it, it ends up where Brooks goes off at 10% owned or lower in tournaments because it's hard to pay up for these guys in general. Rory is going to pop in the, the odds markets. Uh, he's going to pop in most markets that, that, that don't just count the majors, and so I think Rory is going to end up being a little bit higher owned, but I don't expect any of this to get too crazy relative to ownership just because they are, at least Brooks and Rory are – at such a premium and then DJ just doesn't have the track record that people would be looking for. Um, and I guess relative to his standards has not played quite as well of late. I also think people are going to struggle to, to like want to play John Rom at that price tag too. So no, Rom, Rom always ends up being the lowest owned of these guys because people just think he's such a tilt box. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting week where I actually uh, early think that balanced roster construction could be really popular. Yeah, he would. I guess one thing is is that Rom did just win the Irish Open, so probably that might swing a little bit of of equity over his way. Yeah, and I think it's it's pretty obvious to me that the data golf uh, model is going to have Rory and DJ as the the two best plays of this range. Yeah, uh, I probably I will probably give Brooks in the optimizer like a plus four or five just to get him in some lineups right like i don't i don't want to have zero brooks that just that sounds like a, a legitimately miserable experiment uh experience but uh speaking from a uh, personal experience at the last couple of majors it has it has been a miserable experience yeah. so i just i just don't want to have i just don't want to have zero right like i want to have enough that is so i want to have enough so that i don't feel dumb when he wins but i don't want to have so much that when rory wins i feel like i wasted a chance like a chance at a real lottery ticket or whatever yeah. So Tiger Woods runs out of the range at 10.2 K uh, did well last year at the open championship finishing sixth, was in contention was kind of the, 
man, that, that was some of the best golf that I remember all of last year was uh, Tiger and Molinari going down the stretch there. Tiger hasn't played since the U.S. Open. He did finish 21st there at a course that I think set up well for him. He finished ninth at the Memorial before that at a course that I think set up well for him and then uh, missed the cut at the PGA Championship at a course where you really had to be able to pound your driver off the tee and keep it in play. This week, if strokes gained approach ends up being something that is heavily factored, Tiger is third inside this field over the last 50 rounds. It does seem like the the thinking man's course, like uh, it, it felt like before the year started that if you were going to say Tiger was going to win any major, uh, Augusta was number one, Open Championship might have been number two on that list. Yeah, I mean, I just, I haven't played Tiger at these majors and... I guess I guess I sort of regretted it at the Masters because he won, but it was also like he wasn't owned enough for it to matter. And uh, Xander and Cantlay did so well that week when made so many eagles that it, like that was that the Masters was the best week of the year for me of, of PGA DFS, and I didn't even could have made a million bucks Tiger. though if you had Tiger too. I guess I guess I could have made a million bucks, but I, I don't know. I don't really I don't really have much interest in playing him. His game just is never. Like, I don't know, why would I make a Tiger lineup when I could just make more Xander lineups, you know? Like, I think I think they have pretty similar win equity, and I, I, I don't have any concerns of, like, Xander breaking down in the middle of a round. Like, I think Data, I think Data Golf has Xander above – has Xander and Cantlay above Tiger in terms of, like, uh, their, their rankings of golfers in the world. Uh, I think Tiger has uh, kind of crept up a little bit since the the last event, but um, well, Cantlay is definitely up there. I mean, they're they're number one on the the Cantlay fan club list, uh, but I think Tiger is actually above Xander right now. Tiger's a guy that all look to have some exposure to. I'm not going to get crazy. I mean, there's so many good golfers in here, and, and just down below into the nine thousand dollar range is Justin Rose, who uh, I, I think sets up really well for this event as well. A little bit more favorable in the data golf model, a little bit less favorable in the offshore betting models. Um, but I do like Rose a lot this week. You know, one of the best ball strikers in the world. Really good all-around game. So no matter how the course plays, as long as he's not stuck in like a, a shitty end of the draw, it feels like Rose will be there to contend. Yeah, I mean, Rose, Molinari, Xander, Fleetwood, Cantlay, Scott, like even Bryson, right? Like Bryson now is finally – gaining strokes everywhere and like has his, his swing is back. Right. Like I would, I would probably rather make more Bryson teams than pay 10.2 for tiger. You know, there's a, there's a thousand dollar difference. And if I was, if I was doing the pricing, they would probably be much closer than that. I know this always sounds like I just want to hate on tiger, but I just always feel like the cheaper guys are better plays than him. <laughs> some, uh, maybe some age bias for both of us going in there too. me sticking with tiger, a little nostalgia and, and you're trying to play Bryson for the young guy. Yeah, I mean, Bryson. Bryson has uh, Bryson. He's got a, he's got some debts to settle, right? Like you, you, you make how tilted do you think Bryson has to be? Just thinking about the fact that he eagled to take the outright win, and Matthew Wolf made a twenty-six foot putt from off the green. Like he's got to just be stewing. I bet he's been on the range like eight hours a day just thinking about that. <laughs> Did you see the the cameras were on him like right after the putt, and like he looked he looked so tilted. Yeah. Uh, like it, like he just wanted to like sprint and like get off the course, and then it felt like his team was being like, "Yo, you're gonna look like a dick if you do that." And he was like, "Okay," and he like settled down for a little bit. 
uh, yeah, that was people, cool. people, uh, they, they love to get on Rom for being a tilt box, like very undercover. Bryson is one of the biggest tilt boxes on tour. Like when he, when he shanks one, you know, more shanks are coming. He's not one of the guys who comes with a shank and then sticks it to four feet and makes the par. Like he just, he really is a big tilt box. So maybe that's not great for major championships. Yeah. Patrick Cantlay, any, any concerns about him at an open championship in, in general or just too good of a value to pass up? No, too, too good of a value. I, I would say there are four guys, Xander, Justin, Bryson, and Cantlay, who I'm like not going to make any attempt to limit exposure. Like if I run through my settings on 300 lineups and those dudes are all, you know, greater than 35, 40%, I'm, I'm not going to make any effort to limit that at all. In fact, I might even create a rule across all my lineups where lineups have to include men to – Xander, Bryson, Justin, Cantley. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty fun week. Um, JT and I know his finishes haven't been top end, but it feels like the ball striking's been there at least to to ease any concerns about the wrist injury. Now, um, I feel like I, I like him a little bit more than the data golf model just because there is some of that injured data kind of buried in there, but um, hasn't been able to click with the putter. Uh, I, I guess that'll be an interesting thing to to kind of keep. Our, our eyes on but uh, I think he's an average putter at least and a guy that can get hot with the putters so uh, perhaps JT gets a little overlooked if people do go to some of these other names like Molinari um, I think what you kind of flagged is there are a bunch of good plays in this range and, and ownership can be one of your friends as far as dictating because all these guys can't be 20% owned there's going to end up being one of these guys that goes off at like 10% ownership yeah, I mean that is that's just kind of the way things go. And plus, we even have we have some bad plays in here to draw some of the ownership away from them. You know, Spieth is going to get some ownership. Like that's just kind of the way it goes. And then, very weirdly to me, Matt Wallace and GMAC both seem like very overpriced. I don't know why they randomly ended up being eight K. Yeah, um, well, I mean, GMAC ended up being eight K for the the same reasons that you talked about him at all to begin with, right? Right. Uh, yeah. The the course history, or yeah, bump for sure. So in the betting markets, he's still a little bit overpriced compared to the odds markets, but it's not as egregious. Um, and then Matt Wallace is definitely a guy that is overpriced, kind of across the board in this range, a range where there are so many guys that I want to play. We, we talked about Adam Scott and Matt Kuchar both as being good links players, and then um, Kuchar and Scott both coming in with some of the best form in the world too inside the top 10 like those guys a lot Hideki coming in with incredible form uh, not a guy that you necessarily think about when it comes to open championships but a guy that has some of the best ball striking and the best approach game in the world and then you have Henrik Stenson who in that 15th club article with the European tour was actually flagged as uh, their pick for the best links player in the entire world falling into this range as well so so many good plays in this range that's yeah, definitely not a crazy amount of good plays yeah, like I don't want to reach for Matt Wallace, even if he's 4% owned. I think these guys are such good plays that I might just talk myself into just like Xing Jason Day, just like not not even trying to get him in like 6% or whatever, Xing Wallace, maybe even uh, Xing Lowry, getting rid of Finau, stuff like that, just so that I'm not getting I'm not getting lineups polluted by plays that like I think are good, but not nearly as strong as like Hideki at 8.5 or whatever. Yeah. Gary Woodland's only made one start since winning the U S open. He missed the cut in that week field at the rocket rocket mortgage classic. Um, do you have 
like how do you feel like Woodland will set up for an open championship? I mean, he, he, he like DJ missed, DJ missed the cut there too. And, and Woodland was, I, I believe that what happened is he shot like a 77 on the first day. And then he actually made like a pretty decent run at it the second day. And he's like, maybe, maybe like close to the cut line. If, if my, if my memory serves, I'm not, I'm not worried about him. And I actually think, this is this is very like inside baseball or whatever, but I think that Woodland's ability to hit those stingers where the ball like literally goes like maybe five feet off the ground is like a really interesting skill set to bring to an open championship. I just like I can see things I can see things being like really windy and, and him being the only one who's able to get the ball out there, you know, three hundred yards when the wind's going twenty miles an hour just because he hits that stinger so well. Tiger, you know, Tiger's still got that stinger in the bag as well. Yeah, he does. But Woodland can Woodland can do it. Woodland will hit his further than Tiger will. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Woodland's definitely not a guy who's done well at the Open Championship, but he's also a different player, kind of at this point in the career. Um, but yeah, I get. I guess it'll it falls in like a a tough price range. I have a feeling he'll get lost a little bit in the shuffle, uh, just because he's been out of sight, out of mind a tiny bit. Um, I guess I prefer. Casey a little bit definitely prefer Hideki as far as going with the ball striking um Woodland I think in play but not a core play for me and then the pyramid scheme he's in the field this week he's a value in the betting market odds (laughs) where is the money funneling this week um my guess is that Louis probably does have a pretty good week he I like he he's got to be one of the guys who pretty consistently puts together good links golf performances it like fits with his skill set gaining strokes on approach not having to put a wedge in his hand all that often but and it's like a it's like a fair price i i will i will probably be paying in to the uh, i will be paying in to the pyramid scheme this week uh depending on because like i would just rather play louis so there's like a lot of guys here uh who pe- like people who are hand building lineups are going to be like choosing between louis and poulter and fitzpatrick and pepperell and like I, he's like pretty clearly to me a different class of golfer than those guys yeah. So in the $7,000 range, the guy I think is early candidate to be the highest owned player of the week. Maybe that's just because I think it's the best play on the board and a guy that I bet at 80 to one to win the event. And that's Webb Simpson at just 7.6 K. Uh, Data Golf has him inside the top 10 in the field. That seems a little bit aggressive, but even if he's inside the top 20 in this field, this price is extremely discounted. He ranks inside of the top 20 as far as the, the metrics that I was looking at, strokes gained approach over the last 50 rounds, he's inside the top 20. Around the green play over the last 150, he's inside the top 20. Putting over the last 150, he's inside the top 20. So um, that has him overall as an extremely strong play. He's still solid off the tee, definitely not a longer player, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be required this week. So uh, Webb Simpson at 7.6K, he does fit the same profile statistically as far as how Gary Woodland did at the U.S. Open. I know he's going over to Europe, so I, people like to knock that a little bit. His track record, he hasn't had extremely high-end finishes at the Open Championship, but he has made the cut in six of his last seven times, including two finishes inside the top 20. I think Simpson's a great play this week. Yeah, we've already done this within a month. We did this We did this a month ago at Pebble Beach. He was, I think he was 7.7 there, and he was like 45% owned, like even more than that in the high six up, and I think he was like, what, like T18 or whatever. Like he had a really good week. He was flirting with the cut line for a while. <laughs> I remember yeah. that because there was a lot of tilt back and forth. He made a couple big eagles to kind of uh, uh, one big eagle on Friday to um, end up inside the cut round, but inside the cut yeah, line. Yeah, he was he was seventy four sixty eight. 
So, so he definitely was flirting with it for a little while. 45% owned. If that's what happens, I mean, you have to get off him at that level, right? He was, he was insane. And that higher six stuff, he was like over 50%. Yeah. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, maybe because it's a event in Europe, maybe it'll keep it down a little bit, but um, I think that's the type of play where I'd end up jamming him, playing him at low stakes, maybe as, as high as 40, 45% of my lineups be comfortable with that, but have no issues with trying to get off of him in some of the higher stakes stuff. Or even when we say higher stakes, sometimes that's just a, the nature of a small field as well, where people aren't diversifying. So maybe in some of the smaller field tourneys, even if they are at lower stakes, single entry type tourney, maybe that's where Simpson gets higher owned as well. And you can consider pivoting. Yeah. Uh, any interest in, uh, in Phil? Man, that, I think, that guy I think has I'm, done I think I'm dirty. About, yeah, I think I'm just about done. Um, it, it, I mean, it's, he's such an enigma. His game has, has been all over the place this year. Mostly a disaster, though. The price, you're finally getting one down a little bit, right? Like 7.5K. Cheaper than, cheaper than Eddie Pepperell. Yeah. And, and you kind of talk about, like, the creativity of the, the Open Championships and stuff. There's a yeah. lot of, like, narrative reasons to, to want to try to get Phil. But I think just according to the math, he's, a, he's straight up a pretty bad play. Yeah. Um, some other guy, I mean, RCB, I think is probably pretty strong, probably a pretty good candidate to be chalk. And then there are also some other really good plays here that will not be chalk. Uh, How Tong, Thorbjorn, Olison. I think, I think Abraham answer is actually a pretty good play here because if the wind is not blowing, that dude is just gonna, he's just going to be piping them. He's like, he's got pretty good distance off of the tee. What do you think about uh, about noted noted chalk buster Ches Reby? Yeah, Reby will be another tough one. Um, if it seems like it's going to be approach heavy, that's definitely the. I mean, that's the type of course that you want to play Ches Reby on. And the U.S. Open this year, what was at Pebble, right? So it was at a Lynx course. So maybe there's more correlation to a U.S. Open this year than there has been in the past, both in terms of the sleepers you're looking for and the guys that end up on the leaderboard and how the course fit comes together. Um, two of the guys I think would make interesting pivots off of Webb Simpson would be going up a little bit to get to a guy like Sergio Garcia, who does really well in, in these types of formats and has turned his game around a little bit. And then uh, potentially Mark Leishman, who I think always ends up when he's stuck between this caliber of player, he always ends up at like 5% ownership. So um, I think there's some nice pivots in MME that are they're kind of just above web as well. And he was on the broadcast all the, like the whole weekend at the U.S. Open, and it was like so tilting to not have any of them just because he was on TV. Like, there's nothing worse than not only like fading a guy who's like T five or whatever, but when that guy happens to be on the broadcast and you're just consistently reminded of like the fact that you're getting dunked on, it's so frustrating. Yeah, I, I had some, so that was that was nice. Yeah, well, good for you. RCB, uh, I agree. RCB could, like, I think Webb is clearly the highest owned. RCB could end up reasonably high. At, I mean, there's only so many angles you can go to for content, and, like, one of those is going to be going back to the Irish Open in 2012, and you see RCB right up there at the top. We already talked about him just for that reason alone, trying to trying to fill some of the content gaps for this week, and uh, he does rate as a really good value just Put course history aside, Data Golf is going to have him as good value in this range, right with somebody like Patrick Reed. And then the narrative is going to flip people a little bit towards RCB over Reed. 
I uh, actually think Reed is going to end up being a pretty solid play this week as well. Um, the, the type of player that you, you would think could thrive in like this, this type of format could also miss the cut. So Reed is definitely a guy I'm not afraid of fading if the ownership gets up there. But if he ends up as like a reasonably contrarian play, then I like him. Um, also have my eyes on Jarrell Haddon, who was popping in that 15 club study about good links players and rates as a pretty reasonable value in the data golf work as well. We have uh, some of our favorite tilt boxes down here. We got Benny Ann at 7K, Sungjae Im at 7K, Neiman 6.9, Aaron Wise 6.9, Billy Horschel 6.9, Charles Howell 6,800. I will have a I I can just like already guarantee that's like a probably like a 30% play for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Howell's price is is very good for a guy that you would like to make the cut. Not the not the best setup as far as him coming over from the John Deere Classic. So uh, maybe that's the reason to keep it below 30%. Uh, one of the guys I think is 100% de- dependent on how the weather sets up is Bubba Watson. He generally doesn't do well. So he, he doesn't do well at Open Championships generally. He's missed the cut about half of them. The other ones he's finished roughly around 30th. So hasn't had a lot of upside, but... In pristine weather conditions, he's the type of player that can score really well. Um, you never really know if the new course is going to set up differently. But if the wind blows at all, then Bubba trying to move the ball like 40 yards from left to right or right to left in the air into these wind gusts, it just seems like a, a recipe for disaster, which is probably why he's missed the cut so many times. Um, so regardless of what the, the model says, uh, it's going to be a, a manual decision to, to handle Bubba this week. Zach Johnson is another one of those players has some of the best course history at open championships. Oh, made so, so tilting that dude. And I mean, John Deere classic is another one of his course history tracks. And last I looked, he wasn't faring too well there. He's been having a really down season as well. Uh, maybe- I, I think literally just as like the last five minutes, I think he just darted. Like, I think he just, I think he just started to turn it around. I'll let you, I'll let you know. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe he makes the cut, maybe he makes a charge, but um He'll be another guy to to try to figure out what to do with. My inclination right now is to avoid him, though. Yeah, uh, he is. He is now. Yeah, he's he's on. He's about to make a birdie streak. Zach Johnson is so right as of right now. He's inside the cut line. Course history. Uh, it's predictive until it's not. Colin. <laughs> a couple of the top values um, in the betting markets. So. Betting markets, I think, are going to factor in European tours a little bit more than, or European players a little bit more than the data golf stuff will. Talked about RCB. Bern Wiesberger is also one of the top values relative to price if you just looked at the, the outright betting odds markets. And then uh, Lucas Beergaard, who is a European tour player, and then Kevin Na, are, as like a punt, are some of the guys that Vegas has as values. Um, the one guy, though, Almost falls into the Bubba Watson camp. Billy Horschel, I think, is a decent value if you just took narratives completely off the table. But I still have memories of Horschel wearing that backwards cap, just tilting in the awful conditions, and he just went full don't-give-a-fuck mode. And so I think that's enough for me to, to hold off or at least temper expectations on Horschel. Billy's he's just not a dude you want in tough conditions at all. Like don't play that dude at the U S open. Don't play that dude. If there's going to be weather, that's just, that's just like a pretty good manual rule. Uh, there are, do, do we want to tout any of the Euro dudes? Like the, the super cheap Euro dudes. There's like, there's a couple guys who I think could be plays here. Uh, go for it. Yeah. 
well, uh, there's Callum Shinklin at 6.2, who's just like the most like English. You only play that dude if there's going to be a ton of a ton of weather and like Link style golf. There is. Uh, I wonder if my boy Richie, uh, my boy Richie Ramsey, not in the field. But there are there are basically there are a bunch of guys down here who I think could randomly pull out the the T11 or whatever if it was like. The, the wind just all weekend was 25 miles an hour. And I, I I probably will not do the thing in the optimizer where it's like cutting it off based on odds to make the cut or T20. And if, you know, if I get some Kurt Kitayama or whatever, I'm just going to like go with it. Just because I think there is some value in playing these like 0.08% owned Euro dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I think like millionaire maker type format. Um, I definitely feel like that's the case and you're going to need to play some of those values if you want to get up to Rory and to Kepka just because of the way the pricing is my, my gut this week was like in a single entry, I felt like going with a balanced roster build was extremely feasible and, and landed on some really solid players where you actually liked the last guy in on your roster, which isn't going to be the case. Even if you like some of the, these kind of cheap European guys, you're not going to, feel really comfortable about plugging them in and anything but MME. Uh, I'm sure Skynet will be big on Justin Harding again this week. And then Ryan Fox was one of the guys that the 15th club called out as having some of the best links history relative to his own personal baselines. He's a bomber. So maybe it's the type of thing where um, friendly conditions and the ability to get at some of these shorter holes would benefit him more. But a guy that um, I guess is like Adam Scott used to playing in, in some of these conditions from the Australia golf. I think Lucas Glover is probably the one of the critical decisions this week. Data Golf has him inside the top 30 as far as their world golf rankings. The betting markets also have him as one of the best values and, and the best as six below. He's going to pop in weighted stat models, but it's it's Lucas Glover, man. He he doesn't typically do well at open championships. His recent form is all over the map as well. I'm I'm expecting he'll put in a decent finish. This week, he finished decent last week in a, a weaker field event. He almost missed the cut, though, and then kind of backdoored it with a minus nine in the weekend. Um, Glover is going to be a guy that kind of, like, I know he's going to pop in the projections, and I'm going to have to make a pretty big decision on what to do with him. I think you just let it ride, man. Maybe, I mean, if you, if you just turn, if you turn the shuffle up enough, it should just handle that for you, right? In theory. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe just cap him at like twenty five percent. Yeah, and just roll with it, or maybe it. I guess depending on the ownership projection, but just be like, okay, Data Golf thinks this dude's a really good play. I should just get two x or two and a half x the field on him. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like his game kind of correlates well with Webb Simpson, so um, it might yeah, ride that. What is Lucas Glover if not just a cheaper off brand Webb Simpson? You know, they yeah. both they both just can't putt. That's that's the deal. I think, um, well, Simpson's actually been much better putter, and Glover has actually kind of turned that around a little bit. Simpson over a longer period of time, but um, Glover is a bit of a, more of a head case, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, you do got to deal with that. So, so I've only made two um, bets so far this week looking at the Open Championship. The first one, what we talked about earlier, was Webb Simpson at 80 to 1, maybe 85 to 1, depending where you look. Um, and then Patrick Cantlay can be found at like 30 to 35 to 1, again, kind of depending where you look. Those were some of the guys that I thought were good outright betting values. 
Yeah, wow. Cantlay, Cantlay, I didn't know if we'd ever see Cantlay at 30s ever again after he got the win. I kind of just assumed Cantlay was in the permanent Ricky Fowler range where if he ever got lower than 18 to 1, the books would just like shut down or whatever. Yeah, so those were a couple of the ones I made. I'd also made a, one a while ago on Justin Thomas at 33 to 1. Uh, I feel okay about that value right now. I haven't looked at what his um, kind of current line is at. So th- that's that's where I'm looking for the Open Championship. That seems that seems like a, a pretty good card. I don't know. I, I just want to go. I want to go way harder. Like I love the British Open. So I want to I want to bet like 15 dudes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll probably go with some of the deeper guys as we get into it. Um, the the majors are are always tough. Uh, obviously, the Woodland one was maybe a little bit of a long shot, like sixty six to one. It uh, feels like that's the type of guy that that could hit. Feels like it's been a long time since a uh, super deep value kind of came out of nowhere to to grab things. Scott at thirty to one seems that seems pretty good. That seems very interesting to me. Yeah, so Data Golf has him like three point two percent to win it kind of makes it like a, a break-even ish bet but then i know they haven't kind of factored in uh course history if you want to factor in that a little bit any of the link stuff so uh maybe you can squeeze a little bit ev i do think cantlay is like straight up a better play than scott but that doesn't mean they can't both be uh, solid bets yeah there are a lot of guys actually i would kind of expect the market to move there are right now there are uh, seven guys all at six to one or at there are seven guys all at 33 to one. So I would actually expect that probably to move a little bit maybe. And I mean, maybe they end up getting shorter, but sometimes you'll get one of those guys falls back to 40 to one. Yeah. And I think that's true. It is the futures markets. So some of these stuff have been up and they've only moved guys if they got that into them at all. Um, and then they'll kind of go through and reset some of that stuff next week after the, the tournaments close this week and they kind of reprice the markets. So uh, that's going to vary a lot depending on where you're placing the bets. Some of them are, are kind of going to move quicker on the future stuff and some of them will, will kind of leave it up there a little bit longer. Um, but I don't think that you're going to get a better price on Cantlay when things open up. Like no, uh, but I think I might get a better price on Bryson. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh man. If Bryson Bryson winning a British Open, that would be like a, the coalescence of all the things I love about golf. Like that would be so great. Yeah. Let's hope. We're gonna do we're gonna do one and done? Yeah, one and I done. I know who I'm taking. Rory. Rory. Yeah. I've been I've been waiting all year for this, man. <laughs> I think yeah, Rory's Rory's a great play. If you have him kind of left on the card, I think that um, it's it's a good week uh, to to use him. Obviously, um, if you're chasing people down in the Gups Corner one and done for like one of the main prizes, and you haven't used Kepka, like all the groups ahead of you, Kepka has been banked. So been used, yeah. If he does win, he's going to give you a ton of leverage, kind of flipping above or trying to catch up to those guys that have kind of banked his wins already. So. Um, both but with you know the major championship and then the U.S. Open performance as well. So I think um, if you're kind of right in the hunt but just outside, I do think Kepka would be a great play to pick up a lot of leverage. It is a huge prize this week, so you do need to, to try to use one of the top-end golfers. I wouldn't go outside of the top 20 players in the world. Yeah, I, I, I agree with most of that. I, I, would go, I would go, if I was in the hunt, I would go Brooks or Bryson, I think. And, or, or Rory, if you haven't banked those points, but a lot of people up there probably got the Rory at TPC. 
Well, we'll have the betting tools up over at Daily Roto. We'll have the Data Golf betting tools, which have um, bets for odds um, on to win, top five, top 10, top 20 in the field, head-to-head betting tools, three ball tools, and then obviously the fantasy golf projections. We'll have the lineup optimizer going, and then we'll have the PGA Pro Tip up on Wednesday. And make sure to check in with the Pro Tip, with the weather forecast as well. You'll want to make sure that you're paying attention to the conditions and building your lineups as late as possible. Uh, it should be a really fun week. It should be a great time to tilt it off in Slack. I'll be at the beach kind of tilting things on, on my phone as well. So uh, join us over at Daily Roto. You can use the promo code if you get in today, ASG2019, for a free trial on any of our products. In a seven-day free trial, we'll carry you through the Open Championship if you want to check that out. There we go.